This week's episode is sponsored by the Daniel Zayas Company. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be a hero? Well, the message they are putting out is that anyone can become a hero in their new time-traveling card game, Tangled Timelines. For only $13 plus shipping, you can buy Tangled Timelines on Kickstarter and receive twice as many hero cards as anyone who buys the game after the campaign. Support a good game with a good message and buy Tangled Timelines on Kickstarter today. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about graphic design. We're talking about making your game look good, but also convey all the messages you need to convey through icons and through all the templates, all the different things that go into the cards and the boards and everything else. And we're talking to James Van Niekerk, a professional graphic designer. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. I've been a longtime listener. Awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad you've been enjoying the show. It, it's so it's so cool to, to hear from so many people that have gotten value out of the show, value out of the different guests that have come on for different interviews. And I am just so thankful uh, of the community that has built up around this whole thing. And yeah, thanks for listening. I'm glad, you, uh, glad you're here. I'm excited to talk to you about this stuff. You know, I was talking to James Hudson a few weeks ago, I guess, and we were actually talking about your game. And then you approached me like, hey, can I do a, a podcast episode? Would that work? Like, yeah, absolutely. Come on. And so I'm excited to kind of hear about you know, your graphic design background and, and what all goes into that with board games and your own games and things like that. But before we even get into that, tell me your bio. How'd you get into board games, board game design, all that kind of stuff? Sure. Well, um, I guess there's all like the normal gateway games, you know, Monopoly and Settlers of Catan and all that. Um, Most people have that story. But beyond that, for me, what really got me into like game games was when my brother bought a used copy of Epic 40,000 from a neighbor and like Warhammer Epic. So I don't know if you're familiar with that game. No, I don't think I've ever played that one. Oh, well, it's like, it's a, it was an old game at the time. And uh, it was like tiny, tiny miniatures, like really small versions mm-hmm. of Space Marines and stuff. But the funny thing was we bought it and we didn't have a set of rules, but we had like a sheet of a character. So we kind of reverse engineered rules out of this like Titan stat card that we had. And we ended up playing a game that we sort of made up. And I guess that got us into Warhammer a lot. We ended up playing Warhammer 40,000 and other Games Workshop games. Gotcha. So that was basically like a, a different version of Warhammer 40k? Yeah, it was like at the time they were testing out different um, different things. So there was Warhammer Fantasy, Warhammer Epic, 40k. Yeah, I think they've sort of discontinued it now. But... Gotcha. All right, so where'd it go from there? Um, from there, I eventually got into D&D with my friends in high school. Uh, I really love RPG games. Um, so then I got into games like Descent, uh, games like Mages of Madness now, uh, Arabian Nights, Tales of Arabian Nights. Um, yeah, you know, now I play like a ton of different games. Very cool. And then, so how did you get into graphic design? So graphic design, uh, let's see. Well, I took it in school after high school and then I started working in the web design industry. So that's where I worked for about five years. Um, and then I kind of got scooped out of the web design industry when my brother offered me a job at a game company. And uh, so he is a partner at Complex Games and we're a company of about 20 to 30 people. 
um, and we make mobile games and we also make uh, uh, PC games. Very cool. Now, anything that I would have heard of? Uh, well, we did a Warhammer 40,000 Drop Assault game for mobile. Uh, we did... So it came full circle there, huh? <laughs> yeah. It was, uh... <laughs> working on it as a kid, now you get to work on it as an adult. That's awesome. That was a bit of a dream come true, working for Games Workshop. <laughs> um, we also did like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Rooftop Run. Um, we did a DuckTales game for mobile. So we got to work on some pretty cool IPs. Yeah, very cool. And so what then got you into the more board game design space? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a board game player. I'd say that like my own personal habits, I've played more board games than video games. So it was sort of like I got into video games, but in my spare time, I was usually playing board games. And uh, I kind of, I mean, so a lot of artists like to work in their spare time um, on their like passion projects. But for me, I found that I really can't put a pen to a paper without like an overall goal. I guess I'm a very goal-oriented person. So I ended up um, creating Valor and Villainy as a way to have sort of an objective to put all my artwork towards. It was kind of like uh, this way I was able to sort of work at a character at a time, build up a breadth of artwork, and it was sort of going towards a common objective. And at the same time, I was just really enjoying playtesting and like playing with my friends. I found, you know, and the other thing is that my day job, I, I don't just do artwork. I sometimes do dabble in game design. So it wasn't like a totally unfamiliar territory for me there either. Gotcha. So this started off really as kind of an escape and as a, as a hobby on the side. Now, when you first started, were you thinking, okay, I want to get this published one day or was it just something fun you were doing, you know, outside of work? I think I was like, I, you know what? I've said to my wife many times that uh, if people could just play my game and enjoy it and a bunch of people could do that, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to just break even on it. Um, it was really just like a project of, and I think a lot of creators are in this boat. We want to make a game and we want to see people enjoy it. And, uh, and that's the dream. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That was sort of how it started and that's how it's continued. And it, it's, it's growing and it's really fun to see that people are getting really interested in it. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Kickstarter coming up here pretty soon. And so, all right, let's get into the topic at hand. We're talking about graphic design, but before we really get into it, I feel like there's a lot of people who don't really fully grasp or understand the difference between art and graphic design. So, I, as right, you know, as as we get into this, give me a good working definition of, of graphic design and and tell me how it's different from just art in general. Yeah, um, specifically in the in the board game realm, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, when I went to school for graphic design, you could kind of see it in people that there was talent as artists and talent as graphic designers in my classroom. And I guess the difference, so uh, graphic design involves a lot of layouts, a lot of hierarchy, a lot of typography is a really big component of it, and use of colors. And uh, I think artwork, is it can just be raw illustration talent. And those aren't always the same set of skills. Um, so your question originally was, what's the difference? Um, I guess some sometimes people can do both, but sometimes there's an artist who's very talented at drawing and very talented even at, at painting or coloring, um, but they might not have just a lot of experience with working with typography. And so when they end up sort of laying out a card, it might just uh, have type that runs from edge to edge and is crowded, or it might not have like a great sense of hierarchy. So information that players really want to see gets lost. Uh, graphic designers really focus on kind of setting up a good hierarchy and like knowing all the ins and outs of that. Uh, so it's really useful to have both 
talents involved in your game. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you you gotta have great art, but you also have to have great graphic design. I feel like if you don't have both of those things doing really well nowadays, your game's just not gonna get noticed at all. I mean, the, the market's so crowded with beautiful games; they're also functional. That if you don't have that, it, it's gonna be hard to to stand out. And so, like, tell me about what what are the main components of graphic design? Like, when we talk graphic design, like, what are we really talking about? Um. So when you're looking at a magic card, for example, you'll see a character on it, and then you'll also see all of the information. And maybe magic card actually isn't the best example because I would say that their hierarchy gets a little bit dense. So sometimes it's hard to see the information you want. Um, Hearthstone, for example, takes sort of that card layout and they emphasize the right parts so that uh, you still get a sense for great artwork, but you then also get the health popping out at you when, in, when you need to see it. And you also get uh, the rules text and everything read clearly. Um, I think graphic design wise, I would say that I really enjoy the way Hearthstone's kind of executed that uh, as a comparison to Magic Cards. Yeah, gotcha. And so with graphic design, just correct me if I'm wrong, this this is more about the the layout of the cards, the layout of the board, the font, the typography, which might be the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, the spaces on the board, like where you put your, your tokens or your, your pawns or whatever it is. Like it's all of the, the things that kind of make the game work and that typically goes on top of the artwork, you know, that, that kind of sits behind it and, and you know looks really good but it's not super functional the game the uh, graphic design is more the functional part of things that makes the game work overall am i right yeah that's right and it's also like um you're watching your players play and you're learning about uh some of the things that you could do to help them play better so if the character like if the players really need to know what the character's health is all the time you want to make sure that that is a proper balanced hierarchy versus the other piece of information um so there's a lot you can do to help the players kind of learn the game without teaching them rules. Uh, some of which, for example, would be if you have like a triangle shaped token and you have a triangle shaped slot, you can help players just know where that token goes without even teaching them any rules. And the same is true for icons and a lot of different aspects of game design. Gotcha. All right. You've mentioned the word hierarchy a couple of times now. Tell me what, what exactly you mean as far as like graphic design and game design with the word hierarchy. Sure. So when you're looking at a page and you are just talking about typography, for example, a good hierarchy would show you that there's a headline that tells you the title of your article. You might have a pull quote that in slightly larger text gives you sort of a really brief description of what that article is. It sort of leads you into the rest of the content. And then you have a paragraph, with which is small point font, that tells you the body of copy. So by hierarchy, I mean you, you're counting on a viewer looking at one thing first, then another, then another, you're leading their eye through the page and you're doing so by making the most important information come out first. So if you've got a big, big fat title, because that's what you really want players to see, then you start there and you lead them to the next most important thing on the page and so on and so on. So it's sort of like grouping content and directing the player through your content so that they can pick out the information they need quickly. And hopefully it also looks really good in the process. Yeah, gotcha. And so this is really, really something that needs to be taken on into, into consideration, not only for cards and boards, but also rule books. Anything that has information that some is more important than others, you're wanting to make sure it's it's spaced, cur- you know, correctly. It's spaced in a way that players, like their eye is drawn to. I think I've, I've read several rule books where it was like step one, step two, and then my eye was drawn to step five. And so like I had a tendency to skip over a couple of things that were important, but they weren't spaced out correctly. And so I feel like this is a lot more important than people realize. Yeah, for sure. 
especially like rule books are very important to lay out with good hierarchy just to make it easy to read but especially so in like in the actual game components themselves because players need to learn on the fly and they need to figure things out and not be confused so the more you can kind of do to help players by putting colors that are common on cards and on the board where things need to go or shapes or what have you or icons so that players just kind of intuitively pick up how to play your game that's just like the best thing you can do i think yeah definitely and so tell me what my main consideration should be if i'm thinking through the graphic design for my game what are the main things i should be thinking about okay well i guess you'd start by asking what are the most important things my players need to know um so what are the currencies that they're dealing in in the game uh what are the actions that they can do you want to make sure that all of these things kind of have a set of icons that's self-explanatory. And if you can, you want to use color maybe to link one thing to another. So for example, uh, I guess one of the things that I wanted to talk about was color hierarchy, or not hierarchy, sorry. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the use of color. So if attack in your game is red, you don't also want to make health red, for example, because then you're sort of Ideally, you would define a meaning for a color in your game and you'd sort of be consistent about it. So if in my game, uh, green is healing and red is damage, then I want to kind of stay consistent about that. Yeah, another thing you want to be aware of is like, um, how many fonts are you using in the game? And ideally, I would say you should only use two. And I often like to use one font for my headlines and one font for my body copy. And the headline font serves a bit of a different purpose than the body copy font, because you really want something striking, something thick and bold, usually for a headline, whereas the body, you really need it to be legible uh, as much as possible, because you want that thing to be legible from wherever players are situated at the table. Um, and another thing with regard to fonts is I, I like to be consistent as much as possible. So if I have, say, a 14 point size on a headline on one card, I don't want that to become a 13 point size on another card, because when you lay them side by side, you sort of see all this little variation that kind of creates this inconsistency in your game. So it's kind of nice to make yourself a set of rules and try and abide by them. And obviously, sometimes a card is really small, and you might need a new set of rules for that card. But the more consistency you can get, the more your game's going to come out as sort of like one cohesive whole, which is really the goal of graphic design altogether is to bring it all, bring it all together. Yeah. I feel like the best graphic design is the graphic design. You barely even notice it, it's, you know, like you, it's real obvious when graphic design is terrible, but I feel like when graphic design is just great, it, the players don't even think about it because it's so intuitive. The game works so well. Everything is so easy to understand and usable that it just kind of fades into this amazing experience. And I feel like that's, that's kind of what, you know, you should be going for it is is for, for players not to necessarily notice what's going on. And so, all right, you mentioned icons and communicating things. What's your advice on, on icons? I mean, so many games use icons nowadays. And so like, what would you tell people that are really trying to figure out the best way to communicate a ton of information through icons? Hmm. Okay. Um, I would start by, you know, you can Google icons and get inspired. Um, Odds are there's a lot of games that have done things like what you're doing. So you should at least be aware of like all the ideas out there. And you should also try and test your icons on people. So I guess one of the things that's a little unfair is because I was a graphic designer and a game designer at the same time. 
And I realize that a lot of your audience might not have that uh, at their fingertips. So for me, I went back and forth between graphic design and game design a lot. And I would test my icons on my players and sort of see what wasn't working. And I'd make tweaks based on suggestions and things like that. But I think that you, at one point I did take my icon set and I started posting it online and I got people to make uh, guesses as to what the icons meant without even giving them any context. And I wanted to get like 100% on that test and I did score pretty well. So I think that that's, that's a good kind of litmus test to know whether you're on the right track with icons is to put them in front of people and make them kind of guess what's what. Yeah, definitely. Now, do you make your own icons or do you have some some databases you go to to, to find good ones? Like, what do you do? Um, I do create my own uh, icons. Yeah. So I guess that's where if you were working with a graphic designer, it would be something you could kind of explain the needs to uh, of what you need for them. And then they could work on that and you could kind of work with them. Um, I guess another thing, and this is sort of maybe more of a tip for the artists themselves, but as an art, you sort of wanted to ask a little bit about art direction. So as a game designer, I think what you kind of want to be aware of is uh, from one icon to the next, are they consistent? So if your icons are always appearing at the same size, say they're a quarter inch on the card, then you line them all up at that scale. You want to see that the detail density is the same from one icon to another. So you don't want to have, or the line thicknesses too, even you want to see consistency on. You don't necessarily want like one icon to be a guy's face where all of the hair is rendered out and it's got all these little details. And then the next icon is just like a heart. You kind of want the same level of chunkiness to each of your icons. And generally I'd say for an icon, you want to be able to shrink it down quite small and still have it be legible. It's kind of like designing a miniature logo, really. Yeah, and so uh, if you're listening to this and you don't have access to a graphic designer or you're not a graphic designer yourself, can't do it yourself, uh, I recommend gameicons.net, I think is what it is, game-icons.net, and then there's also the nounproject.com, I believe what it is. Those are two places I found, I, I mean, just bazillions of different icons you can use uh, for your games, and you know, especially if you're just prototyping and just trying to make, you know, trying to make things work and just you know, put things together and, and not uh, spend a lot of money. Those are really good places to go for for icons. Now let's get into just talking a little bit more about usability, right? What are what are some things that people just need to be aware of from a usability from an accessibility standpoint as far as graphic design? Usability of their game specifically. Yeah, usability of the card or the, the board, like just making it the experience as user-friendly and as accessible as possible. Okay. Um, I think that comes down a lot to watching your players use your game. And so that sort of means I, I am a big sort of supporter of get in front of people fast and um, try and make it look how you sort of want it to look. Um, I guess... That's not always true <laughs> if you don't have necessarily the graphic design background, but I do feel like you can try and get the scale right on components. You can try and get the font size the way you want. You can do these things so that players can read your cards easily. I've kind of, I guess I'll use uh, a friend of mine's example, uh, Garrett at Tricorn Games. I played his game, uh, uh, it was a prototype about tornadoes, and he had kind of uh, he's, he's not a graphic designer at all, but uh, he had done a lot of really good graphic work for the game and it really helped kind of communicate what we were doing and what we were playing through. In this game, you were sort of moving around a tornado and he had made a miniature out of like a, a twisted piece of plastic, <laughs> but he had crafted it together. He sort of spent time on the sort of 
um, experience of the game, and it sort of and it really helped immerse us all as we were playing through it. Yeah, gotcha. All right, let's stay on that track of testing. So whenever you are doing this, these usability tests and you're putting icons in front of people or you're putting your game, your cards, your board, whatever, what are you really looking for? Like, what? Tell me like what the data looks like, the information that you're going to go back and, and be able to use to make changes or to keep things the same, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, so one thing that I did want to say was that um, I made a rule for myself. I have this many characters to fill out a rules text on cards. And if I can't make the rules fit on that amount of text, then I have to cut the card or change the rules. And I found working within that limitation really helped me to not make sort of a wall of text card that players would get stopped by. So what am I watching for when I'm watching players? Well, I don't want to see them pick up a card and get confused or have to read it three times. Um, I kind of, I get really happy when I see players just like figure out something on their own without me explaining it. Um, yeah, I... I really want to watch for when players, they might not tell you, but they might, you might watch them sort of stumble over uh, an aspect of your game that they don't understand. And you really want to make a note of that. I have like a notes document from my playtest that's maybe 5,000 lines by now of just things that I've observed and players' feedback that I've written down. Not all of it I would take necessarily, but I, I do make note of all of it and I go in and sort of read it later. Yeah, and so how do you how do you find that good balance between you know ma making sure the art stands out and it looks good and it pops and all that, but also that the game is functional? You know, putting the graphic design on top of it, and so the game is still really you know functional, functional and usable. Because I you know I've played some games where you know especially like worker placement games that have this giant beautiful map, you know, and then you've got all these little spaces that you put your your workers and things like that. And sometimes that works really well, and sometimes it's, it's like hard to see where stuff's supposed to go. So like, tell me like what you found in your experience about finding that balance mm. between the graphic design and the art. Sure. Um, I have kind of another good tip about uh, hierarchy here is to be aware of contrast and saturation. Um, so those are sort of two buzzwords, but let me explain what each one means. So contrast is black and white. Basically, uh, if things are lighter, things are dark, they have contrast from each other. So you want to see what I often do when I'm looking at one of my cards is I'll desaturate it. I'll basically take all of the color out of it. And I'm pretty sure you can do that on any image editing program, but it really suddenly shows you, um, do I, do I have black in one place that's really popping? So for example, let's say nowhere in your artwork has the artist used black, but all over your card design, uh, the graphic designer has used just a rich black everywhere. It's going to make your art feel kind of washed out and not contrasting. Um, likewise, within your artwork itself, if you desaturate a piece, you want to be able to see the characters come out to the forefront, either by being the lightest thing or the darkest thing on that page. And uh, if when you desaturate it, what you're seeing is like a flame in the background, then you might have a problem with the artwork there. So it's kind of uh, a really useful test to put your artwork against to just drop it into a program and desaturate it. I found uh, it'll tell you a lot about uh, what's standing out on your card. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, the one other thing I was just going to say is I do the same thing with saturation. Uh, there, in Photoshop, uh, I use a, a, a script that pops out all of the saturated parts of my, my image. It's a saturation map. So what it does is it, it takes all of the uh, color out and then makes the most saturated parts white. And what you can see then is sort of uh, the wizard's staff, if it is like uh, shooting lightning, that's 
uh, you want to make sure that, and that's the focal point of your piece, you want to kind of direct all of the saturated colors in the parts of your card or your piece that matter. And likewise, if you drop one of your game cards with all of the icons and artwork onto a page and you deset and you apply this, you can kind of learn where your saturation is directing the eye. All right, so let's switch gears just a little bit and let's talk about kind of the business side of things. Let's talk about hiring a graphic designer. You know, if I'm if I'm a publisher or if I'm, you know, kickstarting my own game and I need to go out and find a graphic designer to do to do some good work for my card game or board game, whatever, what are the things that you wish more people in that situation knew as a graphic designer? Like what are the things that, that if I'm gonna hire somebody that I really need to be thinking or saying or emailing or messaging? Like tell me that just the main things that I should know when trying to hire somebody. Well, um, you wanna like their portfolio. That's a pretty big one. So, and you want to see that they've made games um, because someone who is a good graphic designer who makes uh, websites, they might not have an eye for creating game content, or they might have a style that might be very graphical when you want some like, and kind of simple and abstract, and maybe you want something really rendered and kind of uh, stylized. So you, first of all, you want to like their work and you want to have an eye on some of their work that looks like how you think your project should. So hopefully they've got like a, some portfolio example that, that inspires you that you're like, yeah, this, I could see my game looking kind of like this. Not that they will make your game look like some other project that they've done, but more just that they have the ability to have to create the look that you're after. Um, and then it is possible to hire the same person as your graphic designer and your artist, but you just need to be aware that you want to see a portfolio example of both. So you want to make sure that this person uh, can produce uh, an, an example of a really good piece of artwork that you that you like the style of, but also can show you uh, a breadth of examples of graphic design and really good typography and really nice layouts that uh, don't feel kind of crowded or messy. And you can even hold their portfolio up against some of the games that you really like the look of and just say like, is this professional enough that I would buy it if it was on a shelf? Yeah, for sure. I think I'm, I'm going to add a couple of things in there that I've, I've learned just in my own experience with working with, you know, different uh, people in the industry, different graphic designers. One is, is make sure they have a history or, or a background of being able to deliver. Cause I've, I've talked to so many people who, just kind of got screwed over by people that they found on DeviantArt or they, you know, they found somewhere, and this is artists and graphic designers, that had really cool style and the portfolio looked really good, but they didn't have a track record of delivering things on time. And then they missed deadlines and it ends up, you know, pushing everything back. And, you know, the, the publisher is, is sitting there just waiting because there's nothing you can do. I mean, if the graphic design's not done, it's not done. It's not like you can push the game through and go get it published without, you know, the card layouts and stuff like that. And so I feel like a, a graphic designer uh, needs to have a proven track record of some sort of being able to deliver things on time. And then also for publishers just to realize, or even Kickstarter creators, whoever, that this stuff costs money. Like never go into a situation assuming that you're just going to get a really good deal and not have to spend much money or any money uh, on graphic design. This this stuff takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy and effort. Uh, and it's it's a skill just like any other skill. And so be prepared to pay for it. Uh, the last thing you should ever tell somebody is, well, you know, this would be good for your portfolio mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, or anything like that. Like you need to be prepared to spend good money on this because it's, it, again, this is the functionality of your game. And so if you want your game to be usable and accessible, and for your players to understand how to play, you know, beyond just the rule book, the graphic design is where you do that. And so be willing to spend the money on it because it's going to be worth it in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I would say that for Valor and Villainy, the game that I'm working on right now, I'm both the graphic designer and the uh, game designer. Uh, and I've spent equal time on both. Uh, 
and some of you game designers might think that that's a little bit crazy uh, <laughs> because uh, you know how much time it takes to design a game. Um, but yeah, it, it can take a lot of time to, to do the graphic work as well. And I think spending that time can really make it show and create a product that just looks great. Yeah, absolutely. Now tell me a little bit more about your game as far as like, tell me about the time that you spent. Like where has a lot of that time been uh, been going in, in, in this whole process of putting not only the game together, but also, you know, the graphic design? Yeah, it was, um, it's been a three-year project for me, uh, but that's sort of evenings and weekends because it's my hobby project. So um, it's been a lot of time, but um, I guess that was sort of an add-on to your last thing was something to watch out for when you're hiring someone is uh, is it their full-time thing or are they doing it on the side? Because you talked about availability and if a graphic designer is only working in their spare time, you want to make sure that they can dedicate the time to work on, on your game and maybe they're doing yeah. a bunch of other freelance jobs at the same time. But uh, your question was, was not about that. It was about how much time. I think I've gone to a lot of different playtesting play sessions and a lot of different conventions with my game. And every time I come back with feedback that I'm trying to incorporate. So there's a chunk of time that I dedicate to game design. And what I've done is like at milestones throughout the game, I sort of hang up my game designer hat and I put on my artist hat <laughs> and I try and focus on taking where the game design's at and working some artwork into it. So I wouldn't say that I ever like stopped game designing and started my artwork phase. It's always been a back and forth. And uh, for example, icons were something that I did. It was one of the very first pieces of artwork that I did for the game was a set of icons. And I put those on my temp art cards and uh, just started testing them by players. So every time I got like a new component ready in terms of artwork, I would print it out and get it in the prototype right away so that I could kind of watch players actually play with the components as close to the the real thing as possible. And that was very informative. In terms of the actual time that it takes, I definitely had to sort of make sacrifices and say, you know, tonight I'm not gonna go out with my friends or or tonight I'm just gonna like stay in. And uh, I just kind of had to dedicate evenings every week, a couple of them, just to make sure that I was pushing things forward a little bit. Yeah, just like any other creative endeavor, you're gonna have to make sacrifices, right? There are no solutions, only trade-offs. And mm -hmm. uh, you're obviously, you know, oftentimes you're going to have to trade off time or sleep or, you know, taking days off from work and things like that just to try to try to get things done. So, yeah. all right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about art direction. So let's stay in the whole realm of I'm hiring a graphic designer. You know, mm -hmm. how do I how do I direct the art? How do I direct this person so that this is a, a, a healthy relationship and, and the, the graphic designer understands what's in my head? Like walk me through that process. So hopefully you've vetted the person and you've hired somebody talented who you really like the work of. And hopefully if that's true, you trust this person and uh, they are professional. And then hopefully that means that you can give them your work and they could produce results that you're happy with. Now there's a lot of hopefullys there um, because you wanna make sure that you're clear about your expectations and your explanations when you're giving a task to your graphic designer. But what I meant by that is you're hiring a professional because they're good at what they do and you need a bit of trust to make sure that uh, you give them the freedom to do what they do best. Because sometimes as an art director, uh, you can kind of, you can hinder a project if you, if you step on their toes too much. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. And so like going into things, like what would be, like what's a perfect scenario for you? Like if I was going to hire you to do art, uh, to do the graphic design for my game, like what do you want me to give you? Do you want me to go on Google and find a bunch of stuff that I like and then kind of say, hey, this is kind of what I'm going for? Or like what is, what is helpful for you in, in that scenario? Sure. Um, in my workplace, we call them mood boards. And what that is, is you, you do go on Google and you find images that try and, so as a creator, you have something in your head and you're trying to explain to someone how to make that thing. And uh, Google is an amazing resource for finding images uh, that kind of start to depict what it is you're trying to describe. So it could be that um, you find like a picture of a volcanic mountain that has a color scheme that you really like. Well, put that on a page or put that on your mood board. And you might find like, these are three characters that uh, I really like the style of. So put that on the mood board and kind of explain to your artist or your graphic designer, like the aspects of why you included these on your mood board. Um, so I like this, these types of colors. I like this sort of character. The style of this really appeals to me. And they're not going to just take that and create exactly what you gave them. But what it tells the artist is sort of like, uh, level of expectation of what you kind of want to see because you really don't want to get lost in translation you want to try and give them what you're doing there is you're handing them something that i'm happy with the way all of this looks and you're and so then it's sort of looking at that and saying okay i now kind of have a better sense of like without you just using words to describe what you want to see you're showing me colors you're showing me characters you're showing me style and i can kind of uh, get a sense for for where you're at Right. And it's been in, in my experience, if you're doing art direction for something and you, you want something very specific, then you need to be very specific in your emails. Like you're saying the mood board, like you need to be very, very over the topic specific about what you want. That way you, you hopefully get what you're paying for. Uh, but also what I found is that there's a lot of times where I just, I just don't even know. And one good thing about the, uh, the graphic designer I've been working with for a lot of the board game design lab stuff and, and some of the games I've got coming out uh, this year and work different projects, a guy named Drew and Drew is just phenomenal. I mean, as good a graphic designer as I've ever met, definitely the best one I've ever worked with. And he just does an incredible job. And there've been so many times where I said, Drew, I, I don't really know what I want this to look like, but I trust you. And so if you, you know, I'm, I'm just going to give you, here's, here's what I need. And then I'm going to just trust that you come up with something really, really cool to, to make it awesome. And mm -hmm. every single time he's come up with something just really amazing. That's been super functional and it's looked really good. And so that's another thing. Finding somebody you work well together with and that you trust, uh, trust is a huge thing in, in this scenario because th these are your creations, like these are your babies, so to speak. And so finding somebody you trust that does a really good job that you can just say, hey, I'm not entirely sure what this needs to be, but hey, here's kind of what I'm thinking. And so like, what do you think? And it's 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 very much a relationship. It's kind of mm -hmm. going back and forth and figuring things out and negotiating and, and, you know, I've got this idea and they've got this idea. It's like, okay, how do we work this out to where it's usable and it looks good and all that. And so that's another thing. It's, it's a relationship. It's not just like, you know, going down to the store and buying some bread. You don't just go and buy some graphic design. Like, no, it's, there's a back and forth and, and you're building something together. And I feel like it's really important for uh, creators to understand that. Yeah. It's something about um, the creative industry in general. It's like, and this analogy has been used a lot, but you wouldn't, hire a contractor to renovate your house and then start telling them how the studs should be aligned. You would sort of <laughs> be like, I don't know how to do that, but you do, and I'm hiring you for it. So I'm going to trust you. Yep. But I guess because we're all sort of trying to realize our creative visions here, uh, it's really fun. It's a fun thing too, to be involved in the creative process. So I get why that's sort of exciting for, for every creator out there to kind of hire an artist and, and get involved. Um, 
hopefully, I think the artist and the creator can collaborate in a way where they're both invested in the project. Because I think that's the other thing too, is if the artist is underpaid or if they're sort of just working to make ends meet, but they're not really driven by the project, the quality of the work is going to show. And so it's kind of, it's nice to, to have an artist that has an investment in the end product and um, just really wants to see their work do really well. Yeah, for sure. One thing I, I found, so uh, I worked with Drew on some previous projects and then, you know, I've got some stuff coming down the road in, in 2019 and I sent him a message and said, Hey, here's what I want to do in 2019. And I'm working on this project game design wise. Would you want to be a part of this as the graphic designer? So instead of me saying, Hey, I want to hire you. It's like, Hey, I want to hire you, but I want to make sure you, you want to do this game. Cause like you're saying, if, if the graphic designer or the artist is not enthusiastic about it, it's going to show in the work. And he came back, you know, sent me an email back and he's like, yes, like in all caps with an exclamation point. Yeah, I want to work on that. That sounds awesome. I want to be a part of it. Let's, let's make it happen. It's like, okay, cool. Cause now we're collaborating. Now we're talking about, okay, here's my ideas. Here's your ideas. Let's, let's figure out how this is going to work. And it's, it's a relationship. It's, again, it's not just me hiring somebody to do something. It's, it's two people working together and yeah, I'm paying him to do the, you know, to do a job, but it's so much more than that. And so I feel like that's kind of like the best case scenario is finding someone who's just as uh, passionate or enthusiastic about the project as you are, because then that, that helps the whole thing shine. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, if you're working on a space game um, and you're looking at an artist who has a bunch of fluffy, cute little anime characters, um, <laughs> you probably aren't hiring yeah. the right artist. And that where, that's where it comes down to like finding somebody who has a style that uh, is similar to the vision in your head. Yeah, definitely. Now, do you have any other advice as far as like working with graphic designers, hiring people, anything on that, you know, kind of the business side of things? You already touched on the idea of uh, pay them what they're worth, um, but I think your your cousin isn't good enough, uh, no matter how good he says he is at graphic design. <laughs> um, and yeah, and neither, and I mean, if you hire a college student, they might have talent, but they won't have experience. So uh, you might end up paying for that in the long run. So it's kind of, I I, I feel like if, if you've hired someone who has talent and a style you like, and they have the availability and the enthusiasm for your game, uh, it's going to be a partnership that's going to work out well. I think that's a recipe for a pretty good relationship. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you have any closing thoughts, kind of closing advice for anybody who you know is, is really thinking through the graphic design of the game? Maybe it's to a point where the art's done or you know they're working through it, and now they're just like, okay, how do I make sure this graphic design is awesome? What would you tell them? Well, I would say that uh, pay for fonts if you need to, but find fonts that are good and professional. <laughs> um, there is a, some, a number of free font resources out there. Um, Fontsquirrel.com is a good one, which is actually vetted by graphic designers. So unlike maybe defont.com, which has a bunch of free kind of random fonts, Fontsquirrel has like a bunch of fonts that uh, you know are going to have a certain amount of tastefulness to them. So if you don't really feel like you have an eye for it, um, also going to myfonts.com and looking for like the designer picks section, that way you kind of get some graphic designer knowledge without maybe having it for yourself. But then once you've picked really good fonts, that's sort of a good starting point to start laying out cards um, and test your components as soon as you have them. For me, what I've done is like I have a, my game is all in card sleeves and I'll print out my prototypes and cut them out and slip one end in each sleeve. So if I ever want to change a card, I'll print it out again and cut it out. 
some people will just like write cards on a piece of paper and play that way. And that totally works. But for me, I just really wanted to like let that sort of experience of playing a game form over time. And that meant that I wanted the game to look uh, as close to my vision as possible. And every time I could bring it closer to that look, I would invest that in the prototype. Yeah. Awesome. Well, James, man, really appreciate you coming on the show. You got a game on Kickstarter right now. Give me the uh, elevator pitch for that. Yeah, the game is called Valor and Villainy, Minions of Mordak. And one of you plays as the evil wizard Mordak, who is uh, trying to blow up the world. And everybody else forms a band of heroes of the, or- the heroes of the order without borders, uh, who are trying to band together and stop his wicked schemes. Um, so it's a one versus many game. And you're either throwing fireballs and comets down on the world as the evil wizard, or you're trying to work together to stay alive and locate the wizard so you can fight them in a boss battle. Uh, It's an RPG board game. There's lots of leveling up and lots of loot grabbing and um, lots of just laughs. I think comedy is one of the fun things about it. Yeah, very cool. Now, what's the player count and the time? Uh, Player count is two to six players. And the time is about one and a half to two hours, depending on player count. Very cool. And like I said, that is up on Kickstarter right now, Valor and Villainy. So be sure to uh, check that out. But again, James, man, I really appreciate your time and your insight and your wisdom on all things graphic design. And so good luck with that Kickstarter and good luck with everything else you got going on right now. Thank you so much. Same to you, Gabe. And thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?